This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for Sunday, April 10th, 2011. The Land Between Growth. Yeah, change is necessary, especially if we're going to grow. And that's what we're talking about this morning, growth, as we conclude our series of The Land Between. I'm Alan Jones. I'm a sinner who's been saved by God's grace in Jesus Christ. Uh, Carrie will be up here next week. She's still kind of semi-recovery mode, but she'll be up here next week. But So uh, it'll be solo today. Let's pray. Holy God, I want to just thank you for the day you've placed before us. Thank you for each one here, the opportunity we've had to just uh, worship you, to praise you, to glorify your holy name. I thank you for your healing hand on Carrie and for others here at the church. I ask your continued healing. And I just pray at this point as we look at your word that you would bring about change and transformation and that we would realize new life in Christ. It's in his name and in your Holy Spirit we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. The land between is what we've been talking about. The place we find ourselves when we have left where we were, yet we're not yet where we're going to be. The place where life is not what it once was and where the future is still uncertain. The land between. When the Hebrew people left Egypt, they were in the, in the words of uh, Jeff Mannion, who wrote a book called The Land Between. In his words, they were a loose federation of tribes a loose federation of tribes who had been exposed to idol worship, the the worship of idols, for over 400 years there in Egypt. Now, once they were in the desert, in the land between, it only makes sense that they would revert to what they had been exposed to for so long, what they had been exposed to for 400 years. As As a result, While Moses is on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments from the hand of God, commandments that are things like, you shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or the earth beneath or the waters below. While while, uh, he's on the mountain getting these commandments, the rest of the Hebrew people, including his brother, brother Aaron, who is the priest, They're melting their jewelry to form just such an idol, a golden calf, that they would then worship. God's chosen people, the Hebrew people, the very people who will be God's people and land that was promised to their ancestors are totally unprepared for what they have been called to be and what they've been called to do. And so God will use this time in the desert, this time while they're in the land between, to develop them, to develop in them what they will need most if they're going to be the people of God. And what He's going to develop them in them is trust, so that they can trust the God of Israel. And from trust, we get transformation. Transformation. That's what God desires in each and every one of us. Not temporary transformation, but lasting transformation. The transformation of growth that the land between brings about often, though, is preceded by incremental growth in our lives. It's the growth that occurs as a result of doing things that will build us up spiritually, little by little, day by day, hour by hour, Sometimes minute 
by minute. It's doing the things, uh, well, like you're doing today, attending worship, doing that on a regular basis. It's doing things like uh, developing a deep, consistent devotional life. It's partic- uh, participating regularly in small group Bible study. It's focusing on the spiritual disciplines. You know, things like prayer and fasting and meditation. Those things Lori has us focus on here. You know, we have one each month that we focus on. This growth that we talk about today often co- occurs when things are relatively stable, this incremental growth. When life is kind of going on as usual. During those times, uh, things can seem almost complacent. Maybe even bordering on the routine. They might even seem almost, I hate to say it, boring. You know, you're, that complacent times in our lives. That's when incremental growth often happens. This plodding along, this establishing consistent, here's the word, habits. We think habits, yeah, habits. They're not bad things if, we're, if there are good things that we're doing consistently personal habits of spiritual and personal development, accomplishing powerful things in our lives. Yeah. Most importantly, (laughs) it keeps us moving ahead, moving forward. Even though our movement is almost imperceptible at times, because we're going so slow and steady, what it keeps us from doing is plateauing, especially keeps us from, here's an old churchy word for you, from backsliding from moving backwards. Even though our movement forward might be inch by inch, the thing is we're going in the right direction, and that's that direction. This forward movement, this incremental growth, works to, in the words of this Jeff Mannion, again, I love what he says here, it works to fend off spiritual drift. Spiritual drift. And here's what he says. He says, this incremental day-by-day growth can steadily align our hearts with God so that we are more likely to respond in a redemptive way when thrown into a major life crisis. Daily obedience establishes patterns in the heart that increase the possibility of our responding and trusting, cooperating with God's transformational work when we are faced with a season of severe trial. In other words, we, we, we do it little by little when things are okay so that when things really hit us hard, we're prepared. Carrie and I, um, we both grew up in the church. In fact, ironically, we went to churches next door to each other. I think I've told you, although we didn't know each other at the time when we were little. We'd been, we were baptized as infants. We confirmed as teenagers. We drifted away from church in college, and then we got reconnected with church. When? When our first child was born. <laughs> 1981. And we had incremental growth, but at this point, um, our incremental growth got much more <clears throat> serious. We started really attending church regularly. We prayed more. We took a class, which we still offer here at this church, called Disciple, where we read about 80% of the Bible over a 32, 34-week period. We went on a retreat weekend. In fact, we have some kids from church here who are on the youth version of it. Theirs is called Chrysalis. Ours is called Walk to Emmaus. I would encourage you to have an opportunity to take it. We went on that way back there, and um, gosh, 24 years ago. Um, and um, uh, it moved us. Those things moved us ever closer to Christ and made us more intentional about our, here they are, our devotional lives, our Bible reading, our small group participation, our dedication to serving Jesus in the local church. Little by little by little, through incremental growth, God was preparing us for some serious life changes that took place 
in 87 and 88, which I think we've shared before, my mother suffering from several strokes, my father dying, and my mother moving in with us. That God had allowed us to be spiritually ready for those changes. Because those things changed our lives forever, those life changes. Things were never going to be quite like they had been before. As a result of any of the, any one of those would have changed it, but all, all three of those and more changed your life forever. Um, we weren't go- things weren't going to be normal. Actually, what we had to do was establish a new normal. <laughs> a new normal. But we were prepared. As prepared as we could be. <laughs> And that's not to say those things were easy to handle, that they weren't challenging. That would be far from the truth. But God had been especially preparing us over that six-year period, from 81 to 87, 88, solidifying the foundation that he'd laid when we were just kids in those churches next to each other, and then building a solid structure of faith that was able to weather these unexpected storms that came our way. Now, for the Hebrews, the incremental growth took place out there in the desert. And it was definitely slow and steady and even somewhat painful. Forty years of incremental growth. That's a lot of incremental growth. Day by day by day, month by month, year by year. The Hebrew people learned to trust God little by little, inch by inch. And they became God's people as a result. This incremental, let me get it that third time, this incremental growth is absolutely crucial because of the spiritual foundation it lays over time. Again, as Mannion says in his book, it is in saying yes to God again and again, and I'm going to add here, and again and again and again, not just once, but over and over we say yes when little seems at stake, that we prepare our hearts to say yes to God when everything is at stake. In this way, steady incremental growth prepares the heart for seasons of extreme disruption. Not just to weather these seasons, but in the midst of them to be transformed. This steady incremental growth can take a really long time as many of you know. It's kind of like athletic training. I'm not personally familiar with that, but when I read about it, (laughs) they tell me that it doesn't just happen. If it did, I would be there. Um, (laughs) Spiritual maturing requires extended time in the land between, which we've been talking about. This land where we aren't where we were, but we ain't yet where we're going to be takes months and years, not minutes and days. Developing these regular God-centered discipline not only is powerful and life-giving, but leads to spiritual maturity that's even more powerful and life-changing. Transformational growth. Incremental growth leads to transformational growth. You know the kind of growth where you say, my life will never be the same after experiencing this kind of growth. This type of growth is, is a true challenge for most of us. Can I get an amen? Amen. 
True challenge for most of us, maybe all, because it often comes as the result of excruciating loss, profound waiting, and unanswered questions. It's not that day-to-day everything is new. It's when something smacks us. This is when we usually get the transformational growth. A few months ago, I was um, on my way to Camp Pocomath. I think actually I was, I was doing a talk on a weekend like the kids are on right now, a retreat weekend. It's uh, Camp Coma, it's a Methodist uh, church camp down on the Chester River outside of Centerville, Maryland. If you've never been there, I'd encourage you to go. It's a beautiful setting right on the river there. I was five minutes from camp, five minutes from camp. I was almost there, and I think I was supposed to be there in five minutes, of course, when I hit a sign that said, detour, the bridge was out. So I took the detour. And it took me, I guess it was probably about 15 minutes to get there. So I was 10. And so, you know, but it, and it's, it wasn't that big a deal time-wise, but it's like, you know how it is when you're almost there, <laughs> you can almost see it, and then you got to go. Life has detours like that, doesn't it? Yeah. But most of the time, they're not little 10-minute jobs, are they? <laughs> no. Nah. Not like the one I had there on the way to camp. Transformational growth often comes as a result of these detours. You go out, you go out for a special dinner with, this is from a female perspective now, with that guy <laughs> you've been dating for two years. And, you know, he said, I've got something really important to talk to you about. <laughs> this could be it. This could be what I've been waiting for, you know, right? You're expecting maybe a ring. And what he wants to talk is about is the idea of possibly, and he's already been doing it, dating other people. Oh, that's a detour, isn't it? That's a very serious detour. There's a lot of detours in our lives. And in the lives of those around us, the lives of those we love, the, the heart attack or the cancer detour has touched most of our lives in one way or another. The unwanted divorce detour, the bankruptcy detour, the estranged son or daughter detour, the losing your job when you're this close to retiring detour. There's other ones you can fill in the blank for your detour. You know what it is. And the thing is, no matter how much incremental, inch-by-inch, day-by-day growth we have experienced, these, tours, these detours will test us, won't they? They'll still push us, even if we're, we've had that incremental growth. And, and these things are never brief. They're never those little 10-minute detours like I had to, on the way to Pocomath. They leave us in this land between for really long periods of time. Stories. Uh, the Bible has a lot of stories about people who had detours. Uh, one of the most well-known and, and a really good one is the story of the guy Joseph. Joseph with the, with the multicolored dream coat. You've, many of you have heard that story, right? It's a great story. You know, Joseph, you know, gosh, what a tough kid, you know. And part of it wasn't his fault. His dad had a bunch of kids, and he had chosen... Joseph was his favorite, you know, so already his siblings didn't like him much. And it didn't help that he walked around so kind of cocky all the time. And, 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 and he was this dream weaver guy. He, he, I, don't, I think that final straw was when he shared with his brothers this dream that he had. And um, 
the dream was, in the dream there was all the symbolism, and what it was was his brothers, especially the older ones, were symbolically bowing down to Joseph. That just doesn't get you good points with your siblings. You know what I mean? The bowing down to you. Well, they got pretty intense. They sold him into slavery. Now, you with siblings, you've probably been upset, but and you've probably considered it, but we usually don't sell them into slavery. We thought about it maybe, but wow. And, and then, to, then they, they take the dream coat. You know, he thought he was hot stuff because he had this fancy coat. And, and, and they dip it in goat blood, take it to his dad, so he thinks he's been, uh, you know, attacked by a wild animal. These are some tough brothers, aren't they? Wow. Now, for Joseph, and, and actually for his dad, but for Joseph, that's quite a detour, isn't it? being sold into slavery. It's an interesting twist, though, in the Joseph story, and it occurs when he lands in the house of Potiphar, a high-ranking official in Egypt. Genesis 39, verse 2 tells us this. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. These first five words, the Lord was with Joseph. And yeah, we are a little challenged by that sometimes if we were in Joseph's shoes. You know, if God is really with Joseph... Why doesn't he give Joseph his freedom? Why is he still enslaved? If God's with him, why isn't he home with his dad watching a ball game? It challenges us, doesn't it? Because for us, if God is with us, why in the heck are we in this detour? Why are we in this land between? Come on, God, wave the magic wand and get me out of here if you're truly with me. But that's not how God works, is it, most of the time? You see, God... Usually, when he does his blessing, he blesses us right where we are in the place where we ended up rather than in the place of our choosing. Although sometimes where we are is the result of our choices. He often and most of the time blesses us right on the detour rather than magically taking us out of the detour. God blesses us while we're in the land between. Isn't that interesting? And the truth is, Joseph does prosper in the house of Potiphar. That is until Potiphar's wife comes along. She tries to seduce him. Being the good good Hebrew boy he is, he says, no, thank you, ma'am. And then she claims that he took advantage of her. He goes to prison. That's what happens when um, the high-ranking official's wife <laughs> says things that are a lie. And he ends up in prison, and he's there for quite a while. But it's interesting, in prison, through uh, various relationships and talking to people and stuff, it comes to the attention of Pharaoh that this kid can interpret dreams. And Pharaoh's been having some really intense dreams. So he brings him in and has him do some dream interpretation. And the really interesting thing was, is that where there's a dream where there's a, a dream where uh, it's interpreted that Pharaoh should put somebody, a wise and discerning person, man, in, in, in power as the number two guy of all of Egypt, right under, uh, right under Pharaoh. And Pharaoh listens, and he talks with his advisors, and long story short, it's none other than Joseph that he chooses to be this number two wise guy. Joseph, this Hebrew guy, is going to be the number two guy in all of Egypt. Wow. Wow. That's a blessing. (laughs) You know, it can be really tough to remain faithful in the land between, especially when you consider how challenging some of the detours are. 
Joseph was able to do this to stay faithful because of the foundation that had been established long before he got in the detour. His faith was well established long before he entered this land between. It was true for Carrie and me, as I said. Actually, true for all of us. If we can have a firm trusting and faith in God when we enter the land between, it's going to be much easier for us to stay faithful and trusting and open to God while we're there. But the thing is, the thing is, maybe you're here today and you say, well, I feel like I'm in a detour and I don't have that deep spiritual foundation. That's okay. Because all isn't lost. Because you know what? God can build the foundation while we're in the land between and often does. In fact, that's what he did with the Hebrew people, didn't he? They weren't prepared, so that's, he used that land between as their building place out there in the desert. And God can do it with you, can do it with anybody, if we're open, if we open our hearts to God, if we're honest with God, if, if we talk with God. Because the thing is, they always got to remember God is with you. As we said a couple of weeks ago, God sees you. God hears you. And the thing we always have to remember is God loves you more than you can imagine. And in loving you, God wants to transform you. He loves you just like you are, but too much to let you stay there. You know, the true irony of the Joseph story, I love the end of the Joseph story, when his brothers, and where they're living, there's a famine. There's a famine, and so they need food, so they come to Egypt. See, Joseph in Egypt has been storing food away for years because he had uh, knowledge that, that this uh, famine was coming. His brothers have to come, and they don't even, they think he's, he's long gone. They don't know he's the number two guy. And he's all Egyptianed up, so he doesn't look like his old self, you know what I mean? And, and so they're standing before him telling him they need, and he's having a, he's having a hoot. Because they have no clue that he's there, and he knows who they are. And they, they, they bow down to him, and, and they basically say to him, we're your slaves, because they don't have a choice, do they? It's either bow down or starve. What's really interesting what, what Joseph says next. Maybe say it with me. It says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children and be reassured. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Wow, that, that one line there. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Isn't that just awesome? Sometimes we forget that. God can take what's not so good, and God brings good out of it. I think sometimes God allows us to be in those situations because God knows what's going to come out of it. And God knows God can bring good out of it. And what you see here is no longer Joseph, the little cocky, snotty-nosed kid with the big coat telling his brothers they're going to bow down to him, right? He's been transformed, hasn't he? He's been transformed. And it hasn't been easy, 
there's been a great cost, what he went through. You know, and it didn't happen as a result of him reading some inspirational self-help book there when he was in prison. Transformation resulted from trial and struggle and pressure and heat. Pressure and heat, same thing that brings about diamonds, brings about transformation. Things that will test our faith bring about transformation. And it doesn't come without some change. And change generally isn't easy. You know, the definition of, one of the definition of insanity is same input expecting different outcome. How many of us have kept putting, putting the same thing in, expecting somehow miraculously something different to come out of it? It doesn't happen, does it? No, no. We've got to have change. Transformation requires change. As we said before, what used to be normal may no longer be normal. We may have to establish a new normal. Actually, there's a book, I think her name's Patsy Claiborne, has a book that says, normal is just a setting on your dryer. (laughs) Maybe that's what we need to remember. Maybe there really isn't a normal. (laughs) Or at least if there is, it's going to change, and we have to establish new normals. We we may even have to redefine who we are. And that's okay, too. Because as we said, God loves us just as we are, but too much to let us stay there. We may have to have a new definition of self, but that kind of goes right along with, with, with what Jesus does with us, doesn't it? 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, in Christ we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Oh yeah, it goes right along. But transformation doesn't come without cooperation. It's our choice. I mean, God brings it, but we can choose to reject, can't we? God doesn't force us. We choose whether the land between will be faith-building or faith-killing. Will we keep our hearts open to God or will we turn our backs? Will we trust the Lord and cooperate with God's transformational work in us or will we choose not to? It's our choice to make. In the land between, good things can happen, and they often do, if we choose. We can cling to our faith that allows us to be at our best when life is at its worst. Let me say that again. We can cling to our faith that allows us to be at our best when life is at its worst, if we choose. We can emerge from the detours of disappointment, chaos, and pain with a deeper faith than we had going in, if we choose. We, we learn that the land between is a journey of trust that produces in us things that cannot be tr- produced in any other soil if we so choose. We discover that the place we most want to escape from produces the fruit that the, we, we most desperately need and want. Let me say that again. We discover that the place we most want to escape from produces the fruit that we most des- desperately need and want if we so And so the question today is this, what about you? Will you let your time in the land between bring about transformation in you? What is your choice going to be? Let's pray. Holy God, the land between can be a tough place. That desert can be tough. Transformational change can be tough. But you've made it so that we can be prepared. If we go about daily discipline, 
if we look to you for our strength and courage and guidance, if we look to you in all things to, to be our hope. I just want to say thank you for the opportunities you give us in the land between, knowing that some changes can occur only there and no place else. I pray that each one here today will be able to uh, see you in the midst of the trials and tribulations, and the transformational change will be a part of their being. It's in Christ and in your Holy Spirit we pray this day. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that He offers. Thank you.